Hey there, and welcome to a new episode of Relax. We're all gonna die. I'm Jackie, and I promised to start making this more of a regular thing. Recently, I heard something that I feel like I have understood as a feeling for a really long time, but I haven't been able to ever articulate it before. I heard it spoken out loud. I believe that there is a duality in that life exists outside of your comfort zone, and I'm sure you've heard this, and that in order to progress or grow in any physical, mental, spiritual type of way, you will need to make yourself a little uncomfortable. Because insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. But I do believe that by making yourself a little uncomfortable, by pushing yourself, that you will level up. But the thing that I heard recently that made me think it has to be the other end of the spectrum of this advice, and this was the feeling that I couldn't have put into words better until I finally heard it, and the saying was, God will never let you get comfortable in a place you were never meant to settle. So as an example, let's say you start a new job. And in the beginning, it's a little difficult because every job is a learning curve at first. So you can expect to be a little uncomfortable in the beginning, just like you would with your growth and your leveling up. But if you never find an area of comfortable flow where you finally feel like you get the hang of it and you finally feel like you start to understand and start to enjoy it, if you never reach that feeling, and I give it a reasonable amount of time, okay, not like days, but six months at least. But if you never start to feel like you are in a state of flow or like you find moments of being comfortable, like you know what's going on and you found a comfortable rhythm, if you can't find that type of peace, you need to start looking for a new job again. And I believe in that moment that the universe will assist you very quickly in moving on to something that you are meant for. And you can call that whatever you want to call it. If that's God, the universe, your mindset, you acquired a new set of skills, whatever, okay? I believe that the situation where you never got comfortable, where you look around and you have the awareness and the presence of mind to realize that you have attempted to level up, and that you have put in the work and you've tried to get comfortable, but there's just something about the situation that's not right. The vibes are off, right? It's not for you. It's not aligning when you put your focus and energy into it. But then when you start shifting your focus into moving into a place where you say, okay, look, I've leveled up, but I want to level up into a place that matches me. It matches my energy. It's in a place where I feel like I belong and I can find a comfortable flow. I believe that the universe will assist you. That God, your mindset, whatever, will finally grant you what you're looking for and you'll find the right thing for you. Recently, I have endured this exact thing. And unfortunately, it took basically cancel culture for me to realize what was happening. To spare you some complicated crypto details, I was working with people who were developing a suite of projects for uh, different things within crypto or Web3, as we call it. 
and they were helping token projects, NFT projects, clients who already have existing Web2 things like an app, helping them transition into Web3. And I was working on some very separate things, but I was associated with these people because it was all under the company umbrella. My CEO is known in our small circle for being a little bit of a hothead on Twitter in particular. And if you haven't had the pleasure of scrolling through crypto Twitter, as it's known, let me just sum it up. It's kind of like politics meets money. It's a dumpster fire, and there's really no other way to put it. But you have a lot of opinionated people with a Twitter account, and some people who are doxxed, which if you don't know what that means, it just means that you and your real identity are out there and attached to your account. And then you have a lot of anonymous people who seem to have even more opinions. So it just makes for a pretty messy space of accusations, some of them completely fabricated. You have a lot of people who don't understand blockchain or crypto in general, and they're just making up wild things. And then you have people who actually know what they're doing. But that number is very, very small in comparison to the masses of people who just get on and take a side and have an opinion. <laughs> and again, I can't stress this enough when I say it's very similar to politics. So there's a whole backstory involving the accusation of someone hacking a website and a very complicated bunch of interpersonal bullshit that went on before I came into this picture that basically led to this cancel culture thing. But I felt that in the beginning, it didn't have anything to do with me, and it, it never did the entire time. I wasn't a part of it, and I certainly didn't want to inject myself into the arguments of grown adults. So when I was offered a paid position to work with a salary and get a guaranteed amount of money, I jumped on it. Because two things. One, know your worth. And two, if you're good at something, don't ever do it for free. And I feel that I have reached the point of not doing things for free anymore. I can confidently say that I feel like I have gained enough experience within the last year and a half within crypto that I know what I'm doing. And I know that my advice would be valuable to me and therefore it would be valuable to others. So I took the position and I gladly accepted on the condition that everybody was going to keep it kosher on Twitter and not argue with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> so long story short is that on a project I wasn't even working on the contract for that token, it was written and it had some flaws because regardless of how wonderful and exact computer programs and code can be, humans that write the code, they're still very much human and they are susceptible to making a human error. Apparently, our developer had some issues with the contracts he wrote, and I don't code, so that's not my skill, and I couldn't tell you exactly what was wrong with it or what ended up happening. But the bigger issue was that a month ago, I went to Los Angeles for a crypto conference with this company. We were there just to promote the business and connect with a lot of clients in person. But not only is it unique to this post-COVID virtual Zoom world to not see people in person very often, but crypto is something worldwide, instantaneous, and 24 hours a day. 
and we almost never have the chance to interact with people in person. The majority of people I have worked with have been either in Germany, Utah, Australia, Florida. There's people all over the world that I've worked with, spoken to, set meetings with, and people all over the world I speak to on a very regular basis. It's amazing and wonderful, and I highly recommend it because it definitely gives you a much broader perspective of the world and makes things feel much closer. When you hear about things on the news and they're happening in another country, if you know someone in that country, it's very easy to just say, hey, is this, is this real? <laughs> is this actually happening or, or what's your perspective of it? And it's just very nice to be able to communicate with people and have the world feel a lot closer. But it also still lacks that personal connection you get from a face-to-face -face encounter with somebody and, you know, the ability to share a meal or sit down or go to lunch together. So there still is an unfortunate element of, of lacking there. But while we were in Los Angeles for the conference, we ended up meeting up with several of our clients in person and other people that we've known within the space. There were a lot of people that we really only knew their Twitter handles as their actual name, and it was nice to finally meet a real, live person behind the username. We went together to a dinner, and there were at least 20 to 25 of us there. And it was just a big meal, and it was fine and fun, and everybody ate and had drinks and shot the shit, and there was nothing serious or sinister about it. But all it took was a photo of everyone together at that dinner combined with one issue on a crypto contract that our developer made in order for all of these anonymous people who weren't there, all of these people who didn't know us, to accuse everyone at the dinner of some grand fucking financial conspiracy theory. You would have thought, you would have sworn <laughs> that this dinner took place at like the World Economic Forum where we were discussing like the New World Order or some crazy conspiracy shit. The way that this was spoken about on Twitter in conjunction with the issue of the particular tokens contract. Not only were the accusations of thievery and all kinds of other ridiculous shit flying on Twitter from anonymous people, by the way, and I, I think that's the worst part. It was that they were completely anonymous people who created even brand new anonymous accounts to ask things like what the legal names were of the people in my company and associated with my company, who they all were, because they were trying to... I, I don't really know what the purpose of it was besides absolutely scare everyone who didn't have anything to do with that. It was dangerous and shitty and beyond rude for anybody to accuse a bunch of people, let alone a bunch of people who just sat down together at a dinner for fun and to break bread and be able to finally meet each other in person after getting to know one another through stupid tweets and Twitter spaces and Discord chats. I'm going to be honest, it kind of ruined the memory of the whole thing and in how fun it was and how I was greatly looking forward to doing it again and more often. But since people on the internet decide that the second you meet up with someone in person, you've got some, you know, bizarre underhanded criminal conspiracy brewing and 
that's what that means. And then apparently you're smart enough to also take a fucking picture and post it on the internet while you're doing it. Yeah, apparently that means we're up to something nefarious. Here's my thing about masses on the internet. I feel like masses is the appropriate word, and it's more of like a malignant mass than anything else, just like a cancerous tumor that the more blood it gets, it actually is working against itself. The, it, the body is sending it blood to try to fight it off, but it's actually just growing larger and stronger, and it's getting worse and worse. And I feel that this situation was very similar. When it was all said and done, it was pretty clear that I didn't have anything to do with coding a contract, and I certainly didn't have anything to do with the downfall of anybody else's shit, so my association with any of them wasn't brought into question, and luckily it didn't hurt any of the projects that I had worked on previously, and I was very grateful for that. At least there were a bunch of people left with a brain to realize that I didn't have anything to do with it. But... It was pretty embarrassing for the company that I was working for because they were publicly tagged and fired all over this space in really the course of about 24 hours. But I guess this was the lesson, right? It was a place that wasn't meant for me to stay. It wasn't meant for me to settle. And I wasn't meant to be comfortable there because I wasn't meant to settle. And I needed to ultimately level up and move on to something better and different for myself. For that, I'm grateful. But I am sad for people that are affected because after meeting them in person, I know that they aren't what the internet and an anonymous person painted them out to be. And I also know that the developers who code are human beings and they will make a mistake even if their code won't, but it isn't intentional. I am all for a good conspiracy theory though. I love conspiracy theories. One of my favorites is that Elon Musk is actually a Martian and he was exiled by Mars and now he is back on Earth building an army to go back to Mars and seek revenge. Where there's smoke, there's fire, okay? But to, <laughs> to be the victim of a conspiracy made up by people who are just looking to blame others for their inadequacies or things they don't understand was really shitty. To accuse a table full of 25 people attending a dinner of some kind of nefarious or malicious action, it's, it's just an outright insane idea. That would be like accusing the entire government of being one big malicious acting body. Do I think that there are people within the government that do not have our best interest at heart? Absolutely. Do I think that people individually can be selfish and self-serving and they are only looking out for number one and it doesn't matter who they fuck over to do it? Yes. But those people don't just exist within politics or crypto. They exist everywhere. But if these people are so confidently quick and willing to believe that most people, the second there's a group of three or more of them, that they're acting together, that they're up to something malicious, why the fuck are they in this space? Why are they involved in investing their money or putting their money towards any of these projects? When I say that crypto is like politics, I really mean it in that it's a very binary thing. There's one side and then there's the other. 
There's one side of people who absolutely hate a particular project. They can't stand it. They have this venomous vitriol full of, you know, warnings of do not invest in this token. These people are stealing your money. And, and these people have decided that, you know, they think it's actually Satan on the Internet running a crypto project, basically. But on the flip side, there are people who are just a diehard fan. They don't care that they have lost over 95% of their original investment. They are here for it. They continue to drink the hype juice. They continue to believe. And they are the ones still holding. By no means do I believe that small, shitty token projects that are built by people who have access to the contract and therefore can do some nefarious things directly from it, that is not the next Bitcoin, and there will not be a next Bitcoin. Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Because if you understand crypto enough to invest in a tiny token, though, like if you can already get there, there's quite a few steps involved. It's not as easy as buying Bitcoin. But if you can get to the tiny token thing, you should at least be understanding of the differences between something like Bitcoin the proof of work and no one in charge of it. Nobody has access to the contract. It just is what it is instead of basically the exact fucking opposite, which is these tiny tokens. You should understand the difference if you're investing in it. But are you allowed to be a fan of something regardless of what your investment is doing or what your money is doing in there? Yeah, that's it. You're allowed to be a fan. You're allowed to believe that Stupid people are actually intelligent. People are allowed to believe that crazy people are actually genius. And they're also allowed to believe that people who may have been accused of stealing money are actually building the future and everything they say they're going to do with it. And, and they, everyone will come out on the other side as millionaires and better for it. It is not up to the rest of us to decide that someone is being delusional. And it's certainly not up to anyone other than you, to decide how you feel. In the most relaxed, we're all gonna die kind of way, just let them live. If that means that they buy into stupid altcoin projects and they get their money stolen, or, or they make 100x their money back, it's theirs to decide what they do with it. One of my favorite sayings is, start a business, mind your own. And I feel like we could all use a lot of that right now. There's a lot of people not starting businesses, not trying to see how difficult it actually is to build something themselves, not seeing how hard it is to provide a service for other people, to try to get clients, to try and monetize a skill where they are the sole profiteer of it. In the last two weeks, I have seen such a lack of compassion for people just trying to build their own thing. Especially in this fucking economy, you would think that there would be people applauding you for doing your own thing, for not waiting for another stimulus check or a tax break or a student loan forgiveness of some kind. Especially since all of those programs are a joke. Let's be really honest here. Forgiving $10,000 worth of debt isn't the problem. The problem is that when you're 30 and you go to buy a home, the loan you take out has 3% interest or anywhere between 3 and 6. But when you're 18 with like zero life skills, you can take out a $100,000 loan to go to college with an interest rate of 8 to 
That's ridiculous. I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but what I mean to acknowledge here is that there's a lot of people who see a surface level issue. They see a picture of people at dinner or they hear if it's just $10,000 worth of something is going to be forgiven and they just take the face value of it. It's like the equivalent of sharing an article where you only read the title. Nobody is bothering to read the details anymore. To even click the article, let alone look at the fine print. And then there are people who have gone to like the far flip side, opposite end of the spectrum of this, right? It's the complete other end of the spectrum, the people who blew right past the details and the fine print. And then they decided that they were gonna make up the finer print of the details in an entirely fictitious version of what the fuck was actually going on all by themselves. Those people should write a book. If they are that creative and have completely imagined a dystopian version of, for instance, 25 people who don't know each other that well in a strange place sitting down to dinner for an hour and a half, if they have decided that all of those people got together to figure out how to fuck a bunch of people over, please write that book. Because I would love to read that story. They could be the next John Grisham with that kind of imagination. I would love to read that. And then maybe they would have a marketable skill. They don't even realize how marketable or how worthwhile that particular skill is. Their wild imagination could be the key to financial freedom. Instead of just trying to fuck over the finances of other people who are just honestly trying to work. And in the same way that the person sitting next to you isn't going to write the same story that you would even under the same premise or the same prompt, yours would be unique and different to you and your imagination. Everyone's work ethic, their business, their skill, it will be individual to them. Whether they're rough or they play sensitive or they have like a sensitive style and accommodating to people's feelings and they're extracurricular things going on in their lives, all of that's up to them. How they proceed about their business is up to them. So start a business and mind your own. But the only time that I feel not minding your own business is appropriate is when you are using it as a tool to inspire and fuel your forward progress individually. So like you're looking to be mentored by someone who's doing something that you hope to also do. But at that point, you're not malicious about it, right? You're not trying to upset someone's way of life or their finances or anything. But the idea of this scarcity, that there isn't enough, that, that it just means that you are focused on trying to take exactly what this other person has instead of trying to build your own thing. Just like the story you write, it would attract a different audience from the person who wrote a story off the exact same writing prompt. Just because two doctors exist and they both have this highly specialized skill doesn't mean that they're going to have to fight over one fucking person to operate on. So we all need to quit with this scarcity idea within business. I believe that there's plenty to go around and the sky is the limit and everyone needs to have more of that idea. And, and that became an issue as well with the company I was working on. It was people hating on the company for, in a, in a scarcity mindset type of way, like taking available work. And I just found that preposterous. Like there aren't enough people 
like looking for developers looking to build things in Web3. There are. There's people all over the place looking to do that. Someone recently described the atmosphere of crypto and the financial side as like prison food. <laughs> and I laughed, but I do feel like that is a very accurate representation. It's financial, it's money, and it feels like it's under attack at all times from all sides. Every day, there is some new possible government regulation or tokens being attempted to be taken down by the SEC. And then you factor in these issues within the developers and the communities and the outlier of people who are just trying to hack things all the time. And it's, it's terrible. And it can make you feel very fearful in the space. Not only does it make you feel like you're under attack at all times, but it does make you feel like someone is coming for your money from every direction as well. But the best you can do is just work with the knowledge that is available to you. And all of this information, thanks to the internet, is freely available. But crypto is interesting because in order for it to survive, we all have to work together. We all have to hold and trade and be willing to use it. But because there are people who could try to take from you, you have to protect your own individual holdings as well. If you are interested in learning how to make your crypto as safe as possible, please reach out to me. I'm happy to give you answers for that. But again, most of this information is also available on the internet. But ironically, I guess that's the issue, right? There's a ton of information freely available on the internet about anything. And I would venture to guess that you could find an opposing argument for anything right now. Even known historical events that people are alive today who have survived, they will tell you exactly what it's like, they, they were there, but I'm sure that some asshole somewhere on the internet has written something saying that it was fake. And they've come up with some crazy government conspiracy theory to say that this happened all because there were other motives at play and big governments working together and blah, blah, blah. Elon Musk is a Martian. Okay. I have to laugh at the idea that a picture of us at dinner in LA turned into something like The Da Vinci Code, like Dan Brown's book that got turned into a movie with Tom Hanks about the painting of The Last Supper where I believe it was Michelangelo painted this very well-known piece of art and his interpretation of The Last Supper. And then Dan Brown went and wrote an entire book series on these slight conspiracy theory ideas that at The Last Supper, you have a painting and the person next to Jesus Christ might look like a woman. So therefore, the idea suggested is that Jesus Christ procreated and possibly has a living descendant today. Sorry for the spoiler if you haven't seen it, but honestly, if you haven't, it's been like 15 years at this point. So, you know, go check it out. But it's a laughable idea to me that out of one photo of a bunch of idiots who work in crypto, a sector that could totally be upended by the government in any day, we were all just sitting there having cocktails and appetizers. And the next thing you know, we're being accused of this Dan Brown conspiracy theory with like a living ancestor that rugged a fucking token. I don't know. I, I don't think crime is funny, and I certainly don't think bad actors or people doing malicious things within any space, let alone crypto, is funny. I just think it's comical that at a Friday or Saturday dinner, 
eating and drinking for free, we all got roped into something that was far more creative than it ever possibly would have turned into. I think that there is a very big difference between knowing internally that something is or is not for you and being swept away with the tide of public or popular or fucked up opinion. In something like the case of, you know, a major personal health decision, for instance, like there's people who just make decisions because they personally feel it's the best and safest choice that they could possibly make for themselves and for the people they love. A good example of this is something like the vaccine that comes to mind. But those people on one end of the spectrum demonize people on the other end of the spectrum without acknowledging that they are making their choice, their opposite choice, for the exact same reasons. We have to stop demonizing people who make the opposite choice for the exact same reason we all made the single one we made. But along the basis of making decisions that are for you, I believe that that requires the internal reflection of knowing yourself better than you know anyone else, but also being wise enough to realize that there are unfortunately shitty people in the world. Recently, I watched the documentary on Netflix about Monte Teo and how he was catfished basically in front of the world <laughs> because at the time a man created a fake account on Facebook and pretended to be a woman and for four years communicated with Monte Teo and was his self-proclaimed girlfriend. The problem started, though, through other fake accounts that this person made. They claimed to be her family and they told Monte Teo that his girlfriend had died and it happened to be on the same day that Monte's real grandmother did pass away. College football loves a hero arc story. They love a story of someone who battles adversity off the field as well as on. So this story became everything in college football that year. And I specifically remember the story in detail because Monte Teo played for Notre Dame and Notre Dame wound up playing Alabama in the national championship that year. Alabama absolutely destroyed Notre Dame, and if I remember correctly, the cameraman actually spent so much time showing the Alabama quarterback's girlfriend that she became this massive influencer overnight. But this documentary was fascinating to watch because it revealed several things behind the scenes. One of them I found to be the most interesting was how much the University of Notre Dame actually knew about Monte Teo being catfished after he'd figured out what was going on, but it was before the game. And they've run all of these press reels and packages on all this adversity he's overcome because of losing two people he's so close with. And I don't want to spoil the documentary for you. I think you should watch it just to be aware of the level of absolute mental insanity and depravity that some sick people will go to in order to just put on an act of what I believe is nothing but full-blown mental illness at this point. But, but purely as a study in psychology, I highly recommend the documentary. But towards the end of the documentary, they really dive into the social blowback that went along with the fact that this poor 22-year-old kid who was just very religious and studied hard and worked hard at football the social and potentially financial backlash of him being duped 
by an insane stranger on the internet was immense for Monte Teo. To the point that the documentary suggests in a way that it cost him millions of dollars because of all the news that happened before he went for the NFL draft. I even remember thinking it was outrageous, sad, hilarious, fucked up, all of these different things when that came out, when that news broke. More so because I didn't understand why a star football player of a major university would have a problem finding a girlfriend in person, let alone continue to communicate with one he had never physically met in person before. He'd only been on Facebook talking to this girl or in phone calls, and it was what he thought was a girl. I went to a huge football school. I'm going to tell you none of them had any problems meeting women if they wanted to. But it was sad because so many things became up for a public debate for this 22-year-old kid. Not only how gullible this guy possibly is or, you know, all of these issues that bled into the rest of his life, And on national television and talk shows in front of his parents, they're asking him if he's gay. They're asking him how much he knew. It was an absolute circus of people just making up wild conspiracy theories about things they knew nothing about. The damage gets so nuts that it actually sends Monty to therapy so that he can try to work through everything. I am not a professional football player, and I would have my ass handed to me the second I tried to step on the field, so I'm not going to judge his athletic ability by any means, but I will confidently say, and I think the documentary confirms this, that his, his ability to do his job had been greatly affected by the loud noise that was created by that entire circus. And for that, not only do I feel terrible, but I understand It's scary and not motivating to put your life out there to share your skill, your most marketable skill, where you are not relying on a major corporation like Target or Walmart to give you a paycheck to just do a skill they want you to do. No, you are trying to capitalize on what you do best for money. But when people get in the way with all of their noise and their criticism and they poke fun at something that's just sort of related to what you had going on to your most marketable skill because of something that wasn't even directly your fault, it shakes you. It will throttle the core of your level of confidence. And it will make you second guess every single decision you make. For some very personal reasons I may discuss later and completely unrelated to crypto, I am currently undergoing my own personal struggle of overthinking things. And it's awful to think that one single decision is going to have a ripple effect that will last months, if not years, to be so in your head that it's hard to be present, to be unable to enjoy just given moments or given stages, or just to be able to absorb something for what it is, or just to gracefully move through it as if there will be no consequence because it's easy, because relax, we're all going to die, because it doesn't matter. To have that kind of peace be robbed from you by people who don't fucking know you, it is the biggest form of emotional assault and thievery I can think of. And I know this sounds impossible in the world today, especially when 
the place that you're trying to market your skills is probably the place doing this to you. But the best advice I have is just turn it off. Deactivate it. Turn off the TV. Delete the app. My husband and I were watching Castaway, the movie with Tom Hanks recently, and he looked at me and he just said, God, doesn't that look nice? He clearly wasn't talking about the plane crash, but he was talking about just being alone on an island with like just you and a volleyball. And honestly, yes, it does look nice. And I know that we can't all get on a plane with FedEx and go down with the plane crash and survive it and then like wind up on a deserted island for a few years, but... I don't think it needs to be that extreme in order to achieve that kind of peace. I think it's possible to use the power button on your phone or your computer or your TV and just turn it off. I think it's possible to go outside without your phone. I think you are capable of doing things without that connection so you can find a real connection to the only thing you have control over. The only thing that you need to have peace with. And that's you. There are going to be things in this world that are going to upset your peace. And unfortunately, in the world we're living today, I think there's a lot more things that are working to upset our peace than not. But just turn it off. That's the best advice I have. Because at some point, life is going to turn it off for you. Life is going to turn it off. We're all going to die. That's it. There will be no more of this shit to worry about. But wouldn't you like to enjoy your life here in the present moment without waiting for that moment to make a finite decision to turn it off for you? That's all for this episode of Relax, We're All Gonna Die. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it and subscribe for future episodes. I'm Jackie Dutton. I wish you health, wealth, happiness and inner peace.